you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. Fanboy, baby. Feel so alive watching Babylon 5. Just want to be a fanboy, baby. Making best friends with a robot bender. Okay, hopefully that doesn't tax anything. Now, did you have any trouble getting into the convention at all? Uh, it was a, a brief adjustment of, like, I, I, w- I did what I would normally do, right? Bring up a panel early so that I'd be, you know, because I'd go right. into a room early. So that's what I did. And then I did with Star Trek. And uh, so it was like 10 o'clock on Thursday morning. And I went in at 9.50 and it said this video is private. Right. And so I'm on my, on my phone and panicking. Was I supposed to do some other registration step that I didn't know? Yeah. And then at 10 o'clock, it was fine. Yeah, they, I think they changed that because it would say they had a button that said start when the start video when the session yeah. starts or something like that. Yeah, I saw that too. It was a little freaky. I don't know. I've been to a lot of a lot of online conventions. And the thing that was kind of missing here was like a central hub for information. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, you know, this is perfect. Let's go in. Hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And you are listening to our post-Comic-Con at home podcast. And thus, you came in as we were talking about it. So uh, running this from the Brett Cave, please tell us, producer, who are you? Rick Brett Snyder. <laughs> We're back to audio. And I do want to say, uh, you know, we experimented last week, by the way, with having both audio and video versions. Uh, and I got one comment back uh, that they really appreciated doing it on video. I don't know that I would do it consistently. It was nice, but as uh, Rick and I were talking a little earlier today, there are some things that need to be worked out technically to make sure that the audio is not a pain in the butt for you to edit. And uh, so I, I appreciate that, and we'll we'll figure that out. We're going to work um, on that. We'll work on that. So anyway, I do want to, of course, say that if, uh, if there's anything that we talk about on this podcast, and obviously there will be things on this podcast we'll talk about that you'll want to purchase for your very own, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, there are Amazon links uh, and we'll be directing you to some directly uh, shortly. There are Amazon links on each and every page of Fanboy Planet, and we are affiliated with Amazon. So each, every time you click through and order something, anything you order through Amazon, if you come from Fanboy Planet, may generate re- revenue for the site. It's not a guarantee, actually, but but most of the direct links are. So there we go. Uh, of course, if you would like to just uh, help defray, uh, donate and defray the cost of running a, a website and running a podcast, you can go to PayPal and donate at editor at fanboyplanet.com, as well as, please, any questions, comments, commentary, criticism, compliments we love compliments you can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com 
You can also join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. Pretty simple to remember, right? Okay, so we are back. This is I, everybody's making this joke. I can't tell you how many Facebook friends I saw that still went down to San Diego. No. And stayed in a hotel. A lot of pros. A lot of pros really? did because they're used to it. So they went and they stayed at, ho- at hotels and, uh, you know, posted photos of empty, the con- convention yeah. center, um, you know, and, and there were cosplayers. I saw a news, a news story that said cosplayers had shown up just to show their solidarity because you got used to the rhythm of doing this this time of year. Mm-hmm. I did leave my apartment. I did go away for the weekend because it was also my birthday as a always is uh almost always is comic-con so we went away and it was a tremendous uh you know feeling to be like i'm not exhausted at the end of the day and yet i feel like i saw more panels than i ever have in the at least 15 years of of covering i mean we've covered i've gone to comic-con for 20 years but uh, so this would have been my 21st and i find it very interesting that they managed they got to 50 years last year was comic-con 50 this is 51 and you know and and then it's the first virtual so it's like the next i don't know 50 years is going to be this interesting hybrid thing and we'll and we'll talk about it it's and i think on last week's podcast we said you know these are growing pains i fully accept that any time that an organization of this size and an event of this size is trying something new and transitioning to something new, we've watched it happen over and over again with what we call the hotel apocalypse. Uh, you've seen it when a lot of the exclusives went online, and we were able to talk about that last week. Uh, I believe you managed to get all the Mattel toys you wanted. I did. And, I got the Mattels. And I got the one Mattel toy that I wanted. It was very interesting. I I, I panicked. I was going to go back and, and last minute think, should I add the X-Wing? But uh, on my phone, it was just a little awkward, so it did not uh, work as, as smoothly. So I at least got the uh, Land Rover with the Hulk and Rocket, but yeah. I by the time I went a minute later back into... And, of course, we were on the road, too, so trying to enter all my information on a windy mountain road. <laughs> it's like, well, this was, no, okay. That slowed me down. But uh, anyway, that part, I guess, worked fairly well. That was, a good, some... that was a good example of Mattel using, they used Instagram as their hub. and Which we thought was going to, I thought, was going to be a little iffy, not because of Mattel. Right. Because I think Mattel has run their exclusives for years online, very successfully, very smoothly. I've missed out on a couple, but that was me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never felt like they didn't know what they were doing with that. I was a little iffy just because I think Instagram very recently started that online sales thing and I'd never used it. So that's really interesting. Yeah. The, the thing about it innovation. is the conventions I've gone to that have been particularly successful have gotten the idea of a hub. And the hub is either. It can be you can be several hubs. For Mattel, their hub was Instagram, and then the hub linked to various parts of their store, and so it was like you didn't have to know their store; you just had to know Instagram to get to their store. And the the but the convention was missing anything like that. I've seen a couple of conventions now that have used uh, Discord as their as their convention hub. Okay, they, well, that's interesting. They set up a Discord server where they can have, 
like a an assistant you know they can have somebody there who can help you figure things out and then you can you can have social areas which was what was really missing was being able to just chat at random with people no i would agree with that so and, when we talk about the strengths and weaknesses oh, of yeah. this is and, and we might as well i think the strengths were i got into every panel i wanted to yes <laughs> there yes, is still yes. you know yeah um as far as we know, as of recording this, every panel is still up on YouTube, and they haven't made an announcement of how long they're going to keep keep it. But you know, this is interesting because I think you and I both initially subscribed to Comic Con HQ, which was their yes their channel with uh, with Lionsgate, and there was going to be this great Comic Con hub, and everybody was going to go to it. Don't bother looking. It's gone. Yeah. Um, but the problem was it was both, a, you know, they were dependent on being their own service. They had to run their own servers. They had to do all this stuff. When YouTube took care of it all. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was, from that aspect, I was very nervous. Literally checked into my hotel and booted up my computer and said to Stephanie, now we'll just see if they've got the bandwidth to handle this. Yeah, there, and there, nothing was a problem. There was there were a couple of tracks. So there was the the main Comic Con panel tracks, mm-hmm. and like a hundred. I don't know what the count was of all the you know. Let's let's say one hundred and fifty. I'm guessing uh, tracks. And then there was also a there were two film tracks. One of which was standard films, and the other one was anime. And those were both run through a a secondary, um, and I can't think of the name of it, a secondary app that's kind of like the the thing that Netflix had to sync up you your parties for watch oh, yeah. watch parties. Uh, watch parties. But I did, this I did one works. This one works. I wish I, I I can. I'll find my notes. I'll I'll put it in the notes somewhere. Um, and that one, I watched a couple movies that way, and you were able to chat with the chat with the audience. That was the most social social interaction I had was watching a movie with strangers and chatting about it and everything was positive. There was at one point somebody said something that could have been interpreted bad and their Comic-Con guy was right there saying, please watch your language. That could be interpreted wrong. And he was right. I read it the first time. I didn't think anything of it. So that was great. That was terrific. Um, the, the other track that they had was a gaming track. And so this was either going out to um, things like Tabletopia or... Um, any of the virtual gaming servers or just Twitch. And so they were, the different tracks were making proper use of, of technology. That was great. I I'm, I'm amazed at how well that worked. The social thing, that's where they really have to focus and they really have to relax a little bit and trust that people will be as good as they can be in the circumstances as far as, um, you know, you didn't have to log in to watch any of this stuff. And yet again, I understand this was a this was oh yeah, brave new territory for them. I think from that perspective, they handled it really well. Yeah. I will say, this is the you know I, I I don't didn't do the watch parties, uh, and and I rarely do go to like you know the film festivals or what whatever there. I mean, if they had it, I was still thinking they were going to show New Mutants. 
um, <laughs> which I which I watched from the porch of of the hotel I was checking into because our room wasn't ready, and that was fascinating to me that I could do that. You know, bring up my iPad and watch that. But what was interesting was, and I this is not Comic Con. This is every studio or this is every group deciding there needed to be different lengths. Like the Star Trek panel was an hour 15 minutes, I think. And the New Mutants, a couple hours later, was half an hour. And the moderator even said, oh, I think I'm getting the signal. But I think it's because they were editing things out since they pre-recorded most of these. And again, I don't, I don't blame Comic-Con for that. But now that you've done it, you're right. The social media aspect, this is what... I uh, I felt like I missed was if I was in a panel in Hall H and there's a different energy when you know there are other people sharing the same joke. And I got to say, of course, the New Mutant cast was like, you know, they will be bonded. They'll, yeah. they'll be doing <laughs> reunion conventions before the dang movie gets released. Uh, yeah, they got and a couple I, more um, premiere, premiere cycles to go through. Yeah, and I think Fox at least handled that part really with good humor at the beginning when the, the, the teaser came up and said, you know, had the initial three years ago release date and then it got slashed out and then, you know, and then had internet comments going, what again? And, you know, said, you know, even when they committed to the end of August, they said it, a little thing popped up and said, fingers crossed. And, you know, so I think by this point there, the cast is all punch drunk from having to have talked about this for so long. So I thought that was a good panel, but I wish I, it was where I realized, oh, I missed the Q and a, I miss, even though sometimes questions are like, I don't need, I hope this is not insult anybody, but I don't need anybody to say, first of all, I want to thank you and the cast, rest of the cast for coming here to Comic-Con. But like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's okay. You know, I don't need 10 questions to begin that way, but you know, I think like Star Trek elicited those questions early ahead of time. So then they could ask, you know, they did do a Q and a that was people had fans had written in with questions. I don't think everybody did that. And then there are, you know, things like, as you said, the Bill and Ted face the music, um, Kevin Smith was a great host. I do wish that I think I just noticed that Kevin Smith swears a lot and he, yeah, did, he did in a, did. in a panel when he said, you know, what's great is that, that this goes right up the line. This is still kind of family appropriate. I'm like, right. Kevin, you need to be, <laughs> there was, there was that bit. irony right there. I, I, yeah. I saw it as well, <laughs> but, but, that, but with respect to people being there, like the cast of motherland, is from all over the world, South Africa, London, whatever, and they were all there. And they could be from home. Yeah. So there, it, there is a matter of it's nice that you could be here today. Yeah. Uh, or that they gave the time. Although, again, I think they were, I think those were all pre recorded. Oh, yes. And because I noticed some edits on Star Trek, I noticed some, I think some edits on Bill and Ted, and there was I'm another one. I'm pretty sure that 90% or higher of what we watched was pre recorded. So what I yeah, so what I would like to see is maybe trust some things. More things can be live. Live on the edge. But on the other hand, you know, with the internet being what it is, um, and, and it's hammered through this difficult time. Yeah. And you know, so pre-recording is probably the safest thing because you even saw that when you saw the "What We Do in the Shadows" panel, that uh, that one actor kept getting cut out. His, yes. his internet kept dropping out. Yes. And uh, 
I thought, you know, there's another thing because Matt Berry called attention to it that they did this and they still had to do all the press junkets and they still had to go through a lot of interviews because Matt Berry at one point said, I was talking to a reporter earlier today and he brought up, you know, and so they had gone through all this and I know that at least they were home, but it was still kind of, they'd probably been talking all day when they finally got to record that. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, ultimately I would like an opportunity for some feedback or some vibe. And so I'm going to move to this. Uh, the also thing is they did try to do virtual experiences installations. So I'm going to potentially spoil, um, a little thing from season two of what we do in the shadows. Okay. And, but if you, but if people don't, if they hear it and they don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't know what I'm talking about until you see that episode. And that's fine. Is that, uh, we were really looking forward to that. FX has always done a fantastic installation on, on that back lawn and had some really fun things that go on. And we said, absolutely. There was going to be a Jackie Daytona's bar. Somebody was going to, they, they would t FX would have taken over some bar in the gas lamp district and made it Jackie Daytona's. I you've seen season two, correct? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So never mind then. Um, I started watching the I started watching this show and I said, you know, I really need to go back and really watch the movie because I'd seen. Oh, not at all. Well, I I, I just don't. thought I should, you know. Yeah. No, but yeah. I know I'd seen the yeah. movie. I loved the movie. I didn't know how they were going to turn this into a TV series. And then this TV series, you know, that that they do the movie and the TV series do exist in the same universe. They made that very clear on the same Earth. <laughs> We're so used to talking about parallel Earths now. Isn't that amazing that we could say that and people go, "Oh yeah, I totally get what you're saying." Now that they are the same reality, um, but you know, the movie was in New Zealand and the TV show was on Staten Island. So uh, it's. Um, Anyway, we, I was disappointed that, you know, we didn't get to have that real installation because, of course, we can't, we can't this year. And that, that's something that I miss. But they did still do an online virtual experience, and Amazon did too. Um, and it was cool, but it was nothing that it, all of it reminded me of what you would have had on a website for a movie or a TV show 15 years ago and not been part of Comic-Con. The difference is that at least they were all, as you, you might say, hubbed together. So you go to FX and you have an American Horror Story. You have Dave. I've never watched that show. Um, you have What We Do in the Shadows. A couple others. That, oh, Archer. So there was an Archer one, but I couldn't get Archer to do much. The What We Do in the Shadows one was kind of fun because they had a little video game, uh, a 2D side-scroller of Guillermo Vampire Hunter. And so uh, he was trying to protect his his master. And so, you know, it, it was cool. It was kind of like that net, um, that mobile mobile game version of Stranger Things that dropped a couple of years uh, oh, year yeah. ago. You know, so that was fun. It, you know, it, that, that was cool. American Horror Story had a trivia uh contest basically you had 10 questions from that covered all the seasons of american horror story i've watched about half i i, I couldn't 
Yeah. You know, you try as many times as you wanted. So I, but I still don't know what the ultimate prize was because I just was like, uh, that was one I didn't know. I didn't watch that season. Even if I did watch that you don't season. Want, on that show, you don't want to get all the answers right because something really does happen. No. No, I, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Amazon had one as well. They had a they had some swag, which they sold out of. They would personalize swag for the boys. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I went in too late, so Me I too. had no idea what it what it turns out to be. So that's okay because, you know, honestly, I still have a pin that says F soups from last year. And huh. as much as I enjoy having it, it's like, I, I can't wear that anywhere. Yeah. I, cause I use, I use pins as tie pins, but the reality is I don't, nobody's wearing ties right now. So it's like any swag, you know, it ends up getting tossed after a couple of years when I go, Oh yeah. You know, so I, tr- I try to be a little more judicious about that, but at least the opportunities were there, but I still miss like last year escape rooms. They were fun, you know, and two years ago when DC universe did it. Now we were just rewatching doom patrol. And I remembered what the doom patrol escape room was. And it actually wasn't. It was, you, you had scientifically, what do you call that? Uh, not molecular gastronomy. So you had like popcorn that was, uh, made with liquid nitrogen. So it was ice cold. Okay. But delicious, you know, and and they had clues for what was going to happen on the season, first season of Doom Patrol. You know, they those things are fun and you got to be impressed by the sheer effort that goes into that. Yeah. Um so I again, not holding it against any of these companies, it's just why I realized I wish that when Comic-Con comes back and I'm not calling it that it's going to happen next summer. But when it comes back, I will go again. But what I hope is that they will do some kind of hybrid because I really liked not having to camp out in Hall H all day. Oh, that I actually got to yes. watch four or five panels in a day when last year, like I tried to get into the What We Do in the Shadows panel last year. Yeah. And I sh- we showed up an hour early and the line was already cut off. And people were, you know, so... It I, makes it makes the live shows. it makes the live I, experience that much more painful because you know you can stand up you can go oh you hit pause go to the bathroom and come back and not miss anything and, you know? and that part of it absolutely so I would hope that people could go and and mix it up yeah. like you got a hotel great you want to watch that panel broadcast it live you know and, Bacon and did sh- that a couple of years. With BCTV, they'd, they'd broadcast things like the uh, the uh, masquerade on the oh, on the yeah. on the Marriott closed circuit TV. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm saying just do it. Let yeah. people watch the whole thing because clearly this year, now I was going to mention this, uh, CBS, and of course it was CBS. The people that just at Paramount. You know, a few years ago, we had covered this when they released this very restrictive uh, limitation, what you could do with fan films. And you had to make sure that you used you had bought their official clothing and their official props. Uh, Apparently, if you watched over YouTube directly, I was in the mountain. So I thought that I uh, had just gotten a bad signal. It it did actually black out for a little bit. And then 
it was the only panel on Thursday that didn't show up on the Comic-Con YouTube channel afterwards. Oh. And the reason was, was because CBS's lawyer bots declared it oh, a yeah. violation of IP. <laughs> and I thought, of course it was them that that screwed themselves up when they were so very careful otherwise this year to give us previews, things that they were perfectly willing to then let out into the wild, which that, the last few years they've been doing that anyway. That has happened multiple times to Worldcon during the Hugo Awards when they've been showing clips from shows that the the the, uh, the streaming services have, have closed them down because they, they believe they're broadcasting movies illegally. Yeah, I, I on the one hand, I do understand this is the world we live in. On the other hand, it was funny to me that especially a pre-recorded panel right. where they had planned, they they ran afoul of their own yeah. bots, you know, searching for it. And again, they didn't show us anything that they weren't willing to show us, you know, and so that that's what I found interesting. It is back up. It is on the Star Trek.com site as well. Uh, you know, so they fixed that. It was just I thought that was a hitch that I found very amusing and ironic. Whereas all the other things, I, I would say every panel, like, okay, so we said Hulu's uh, Hellstrom, that uh, Hellstrom didn't send me the panel completely. They did send me the, the trailer that they showed. Bill and Ted Face the Music sent me a link to the whole panel. Wanted to make sure that Fanboy Planet ran the panel. So you can still go to Fanboy Planet and watch the Bill and Ted Face the Music panel. You can go, uh, I think I ran another one. I think I ran the New Mutants one as well. Because Fox sent that out and said, go ahead. So, you know, I, I, I waited till I had that permission. I saw some sites had done it, but it was like, oh, okay, good. You know, I, I would much rather err on the side of they're happy, that they, they want this out there. So they had planned that. They always plan it. And and like I said, in years past, people have leaked footage. And so then later that night, the, the studio or the network would just send the footage, you know, the trailer out or whatever because they, they knew. You can't find it anymore. Right, right. So, you know, um, what was the one? Oh, Lovecraft Country. Did you watch the, the panel for Lovecraft Country? Oh, I did. Country? Oh, man, the first half hour was brutal. Oh, my God. I'm te- I, I'm still calling it, you know, watch Lovecraft Country because we're going to be talking about that show the way people were talking about Watchmen last year. Yeah. The way I was talking about Watchmen last year. And actually, I don't think the show can live up to the honesty of that panel. Right. <laughs> you know? No, no I, you're totally so, correct. So I was I was sitting there watching that just going, uh, I, I really appreciate this, uh, you know. Um, I feel that it is uh, that I I am happy to be made uncomfortable at least once a week in this world, and <laughs> that was you know, and, and I'm lucky if it's only once a week. But you know, it's like that one where I'm like I respect uh, Courtney B. Vance is one of my all time favorite actors. So when he's talking, I'm like ah, uh, and Ke- my, Kenneth Michael Williams, yeah, and he was astounding on. Um, when they see us on Netflix. And so to see him in this and the genre stuff, and I'm like, these are two actors that I know are just tremendous. And I respect the heck out of them. And when they're talking about this kind of stuff, 
you know, well, of course they are, but, you know, because, but, but they used this panel as, uh, as a way all of them did to speak about real world issues when you're talking about a show, which of course Lovecraft Country, that's, that's part of the point, right? Is to talk about how, you know, we have had two different Americas for a long, long time and, or maybe always. And to see it from that perspective, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm just looking behind me now because I know I have the book on my shelf and I'm going to have to start reading it tonight. Yeah, you, you mentioned that and I thought, yeah, I bought that one on ebook a while ago. I should get back to that one. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I bought it before they announced a series. I just thought it was a cool idea. I heard yeah. people talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I am a little unclear at this point if that's going to be a series that they plan to make ongoing or if it is just a 10-episode adaptation of the novel like um, – you know, like watch. You know, I, I, I wish that they would. I wish they decide that up front and not like some of the stories have felt like the some of the shows have felt like they make that decision halfway through the season or whatever, and then they write in a way to hook it into another season. I'd like to see that. Just give me a well crafted story with a, with a ending that lives up to the story. Right. I mean, that's an overall Hollywood challenge. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. Uh, that they can't know for sure it's going to hit. Nobody intends to make crap. Right. Uh, well, mostly nobody. <laughs> you know, so they, they're not, you can't really be sure until you get there. I mean, like I was one of those skeptical about Watchmen too. And how many people were naysayers about Watchmen? And then, of course, as soon as that ended, everybody was howling, where's season two? Right. And David Lindelof said, I have no intention of season two. The, but, you know, so I agree that's a way to do it. But You, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the um, Lovecraft Country, and that paired very nicely with the first panel I watched on Wednesday was the one about uh, Watchmen and the masks. Yeah, I want to go back and watch that. And that one had a lot of the same themes, and uh, but bringing, bringing that whole thing, things that have happened since, since, since the, the show came on, that is just like freaking me out socially and tying it into and tying the same kind of theme theme into the, uh, the Lovecraft country. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that show. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, to tie those, but I, I've got to watch that one. I did mean to, it's just, uh, what was happening Wednesday afternoon, but I was not in a position to watch. And I, I just think back to what Lewis Gossett jr. Said, uh, in Watchmen, you know, wounds need air to heal and that's what's going on you know we're we're finally bringing things to the light and trying to disinfect them and trying to make them better i hope um but i'm not the one that can do that yeah. so i but again like i said i i want to be afflicted you know that's always that thing i uh, you know that that a, a good person comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable and you know we're just aware of how comfortable we've been and we need to be afflicted. I'm because it hurts a little, but not as bad as you think. Come on. Spe speaking about another social issue um, that came up a couple times for me, I wonder if you if it came up on any of the panels you watched. Um, the pronoun issue, introducing yourself with pronouns. Well, it came up in Bill and Ted Face the Music. It, it came up. That was the second time it came up, and that one was, was the first, first time I it saw was just that Bridget. Uh, she was the one who who, who they were the one. 
they. Yeah, she, um, they go by that. And that's, yes. I, you know, so we've talked about this before. Yes, it's awkward when you're in your 50s and you've used these pronouns one way. And it's the reason difficult. it's awkward is you're just used to it. It's the yeah. unconscious usage. Right. So what if it has to be a conscious usage? Eventually, you'll get into the rhythm of it. I don't like it whenever my web browser or my operating system changes the, the, the interface. But eventually, I get used to it. So come on. Yeah. That's, that's all no, it is. The first panel I went to, Every member of the panel introduced themselves with their personal cho- cho- pronouns of choice, and I'm, I was thinking, "This is cool. This is this is nice." There, I, I would have not expected that at a, at a comic con, and that was really, aside from the, uh, aside from Bridget in the Bill and Ted, nobody else did for me. So. No, I you know that's that's interesting, and I think that's something Kevin Smith will take to heart the next time to to research that little bit. Yeah. You know, um, especially because he, Kevin Smith, yes. uses those uses pronouns a lot and talked about them a lot in the third person. His enthusiasm was great. Uh, I do wish there'd been a little more uh, time spent on William Sadler because Death is my favorite character. Oh, he is terrific though. Franchise. Uh, you know, so I'm excited. I also suspect this is my prediction, and then I'll move on a little bit. Is that uh, that there will be a Death Junior? Anthony Kerrigan, who was Mr. Sage on Gotham, tall, blo- tall, bald guy, and he's on um, Barry. Uh, it, funny as heck, um, already looks like what William Sadler looked like in yes. 1987 or 88. So they haven't said what his role is, but they said he's a cast member. And I, I think, oh, well, this is all about passing on to the next generation, right? So... I I will be so happy if I'm right. But anyway, that panel you, also had one of the best reveals when Samana weaving Samantha Samara Samara Samara, Samara weaving. weaving revealed that her uncle was is Hugo weaving. But, but no, it's not a reveal. I knew that well, she was in Ash versus Evil Dead, and that was the first time. But it was funny to me that he had it. He Kevin Smith it. had him put that together. You know, yeah. and so again, it's. I know. saw the name, and I'm going. I wonder, and the, yeah. Well, plus, once she said, once you know that, they look very much yeah. like uncle and niece. They actually look more like father and daughter. But I've been following her for a while because she was in Ash versus Evil Dead. She was in uh, Ready or Not. She was just in the Netflix series Hollywood. I think she's a great actress, and interesting to me, she looks. Like, she has such a, a, a sculpted look that she looked like old Hollywood. She can play anywhere from 20 to 40 and she can play any decade, any mm-hmm. decade, you know? So, uh, and, and she's a really good actor. Uh, I, I, I love ready or not was one of my favorite horror movies of last year. We, we just rewatched it a, a couple of months ago and, you know, it's, it's on, I think it's on HBO max right now. It's so much fun. Anyway, let's get to it. Why I think they will try to go back to something regular. The estimate this morning of how much revenue we talked about this on the last podcast. But yeah. Now, the mayor released this estimate: how much revenue they lost in taxes and you know general sales, so forth around San Diego restaurants, hotels. A hundred and sixty-six million dollars. That's a good weekend. <laughs> 
doesn't matter who you, you are. Think that's, a good, about, that's a great, great weekend for a blockbuster film, much less. So. Uh, but like I said, that's, that's a big chunk of the, of the city's annual revenues. So, you know, I, again, these are difficult times. I, I'm not eager to rush in and have people get sick. Uh, I want everybody to be able to be safe. On the other hand, just yeah. I understand this is killing the economy and this is killing cities. And, you know, and I miss people. I mean, so many people that I, I said, oh, I wish we'd cross paths, you know, that again, we, I've met from pan, being on panels on smaller conventions, what have you. I've had a couple people ask, like, where's your trivia panel? And so, well, we, you know, uh, I assumed it was because we didn't know how to send chocolate uh, <laughs> to winners. No. You know, I, I think later, uh, later this week, I may, I, I may post the couple of questions that I had written in anticipation of this year's, uh, just to see if people can, can do it. But, um, anyway, uh, it's going to happen. I did get to do something I've never done at Comic-Con before, which is watch the Eisners. So I yes. thought instead of a pick of the week, uh, there's, there's a complete list of winners on Fanboy Planet right now. And you and I, with links, I'm going to say there, I'm, I'm trying be, and the, and I justify the links because a lot of them right now are only available through Comixology. Comixology originals did pretty well in uh, in the Eisners this year, and there's also one I, I got a call out because I couldn't believe uh, there was a winner. I haven't read it yet for best anthology called drawing power women's stories of sexual violence, harassment and survival. And right now the hardcover of this actual physical book is on sale on it for on Amazon for like four ninety nine. Whoa. And it's normally a $20 book. Whoa. So I'm guessing it's a pretty important book. Yeah. And so I ordered it. I, because I, I thought, Oh my gosh, I've one. That's an insane great price but i also suspect it's going to be a book i want to share with people and so or not going to be i i suspect it's a book that i i will want to share with people and so i i had to call that one out particularly i did discover like there's a there's a deluxe version of they call this enemy coming out in august i had no idea now i'm not sure that i'm going to buy it i i treasure my copy but i might if there's like added material because i thought that was a terrific read but i'd rather focus at the moment like we both bought a lot uh and some through comiXology uh is there one of them that maybe you didn't know about you read this weekend and you know i will say the eisner awards i thought phil lamar did a great job hosting but also that per that proved why being remote is so weird he was making jokes that I had no idea if anybody else, uh, you know, found funny. <laughs> and I could tell he was, you know, because there was no response. He was funny. I do think Phil Lamar is great. And someday, you know, uh, if you ever see me at a convention, I'll tell you the story about how Phil Lamar and I first met uh, long before I started going to Comic-Cons and had that same kind of situation with him and we had a good laugh about it afterwards and we still occasionally have a good laugh about it when we see each other so um what was yours what was your pick of the eisners so i mean i was all over the place 
You know, oh, sure. I, I bought a bunch of stuff. I mean, stuff you've been raving about Bitterroot for years. Or for Well, a year. Feels like years. Feels like decades. <laughs> um, and it, it took you years to read Manifest Destiny. So, yeah. Well, I haven't, okay. I've, I've just gotten into the first graphic. I've, I've gotten, it's like so much good stuff right now. I know. Um, so, I know. So I haven't I haven't read that because I know that's going to be good. I haven't read Invisible Kingdom because I know that's going to be great. Um, it's beautiful. Um, the one that surprised, and there were a bunch of other ones along the same lines. The one that surprised me, um, you would never in, take a guess. I will tell you. I will give you a clue. You'd never guess that I would. I would. This one would. would I would buy this one and that it it make a big impression on me. Who wet my pants? No, who wet my pants did not win. Uh, no. But um, my guess, okay, and I'm just looking through the list that I have up. Um, you know, I might go with. Hmm, this is no, no. The first one I was going with is there. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with my with my. No, no, no. Guts. Good guess. Wrong. Uh, and that, you went, I, you, you kind of went in the right direction because that's best publication for kids. You went I for went teens. My teens. second choice was Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. And that's the one. And this is an amazingly delicate, human, real feeling story. I've never been a young lesbian girl. And then you. And yet, Talk as if you have, you know, are I'm, you there, God? I, it's me, I'm, Rick. That's one of my favorite Judy Bloom. That books. was an entirely different. Uh, okay, oh, um, it's it's an amazingly um, well crafted story from the standpoint of the internal monologue and the dialogue that comes out of it, of the characters, and the realistic way that kids act. Um, and then well, on top of that, you just this the artwork is is amazing. It's it's. Um, it's uh, Mariko Tamaki. Well, and, let's point out. No, she's the writer. She's the writer. And Rosemary. She's Del- the writer. And she Del- also won Del- Best Writer. Right, right. For Harley Quinn, Breaking Glass, Laura Dinky's Breaking Up right, With right. Me, and Archie. And I'd read some of her Archie stuff, too. It's terrific. But the Rosemary for Laura O'Connell. Yeah, that's um, the artist. Is, is um, it, it re, I had to, I, I, that's the second time I've done that because I had to look at, the creatives a, a second time after starting to read it because it really has an anime look to it a manga look to it although a little lighter it's almost like it's almost like i'm not going to say the, the 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 stereotypical thing would say like japanese woodblock carving prints kind of thing but it's it's got a very delicate line it's it's a black and white but it's done in colored ink with um some shading that's done in it and the I'm seeing stuff in the. I'm. I bought it. It's two. It's three bucks to get the ebook version of it. And reading it on my iPad, the there's one problem with it, which is they they shot it a little too small, and I think they shot it because they that way because I think they wanted it to be uh, readable on a phone. I'm still not sure what they would have gotten that, but the way you you you've read. Um, like Marvel books where they do guided panel stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't do exactly guided panel stuff the same way here. Instead, the panels enlarge subtly over the tops of other panels. 
so you don't lose the placement on the page where you are. You're not getting the, whi- the mm-hmm. whiplash feeling to it. So it, it hit on an area that I was not expecting from the standpoint. I was expecting it's best publication for team. It's going to be a great story. It's going to be great art. I was not expecting the technology in this to be groundbreaking. That's interesting. I, I, I may check it out that way. Although, and I do just want to praise, I have picked up, whether intentionally or not, you know, I don't know, let just pick them up. Books from First Second Press, and that's who, it's been, I think Macmillan, Macmillan um, yeah. uh, is the main house, but First Second is the imprint. I've never read a bad book from First Second. And they they publish a lot of Jean Luen Yang stuff as well. I think they did American Born Chinese and uh, the Boxers and Saints set. Um, so, you know, I... I've just been impressed by their curating of who they select to and what they select to publish. So you can't go wrong with, with first second. I mean, I suppose you could, but I, I have yet to find it. My choice is, uh, I, I really, though I, I really like a lot of people at comiXology and, and I usually wait and buy their books solid like i've i bought ask for mercy by richard starkings i have the trade paperback i don't i've stayed away from doing it as a digital but because this one uh i went with and what was the actual uh category he they won for um this was why am i not seeing it right now but anyway it was Afterlift by jason Liu and chip Zdarsky and best digital best digital so it was meant to be a digital original and I love that that's there I I also want to say when I look at this that Chip Zdarsky who is a tremendous artist on his own obviously and a tremendous designer yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, he collaborated with Jason Liu and gave Jason Liu top billing even though you know it was the concept for the book and they are honest about this in the back are, was completely hit, you know, was his. And he said, you know, fed it out and said, here's some ideas, go ahead and do what you, you know, give me some concept art and so forth. So one that speaks to how great Chip Zdarsky is. And again, thinking probably also being alphabetical order, but, but to actually tout the artist first, give the artist top billing, for something when you got digital, you, you do have to be careful with it, right? To and, and make it right. I, be, my my iPad's big enough that I I just go page by page because that's what I, you know, would read a comic as, right? So, but this is about I thought a clever idea. It's uh, a young uh, Chinese American woman who is driving for I can't remember what the name of the Uber stand-in is, but. <laughs> but it is basically a you know a gig economy uh, driving service, and uh, she picks up a passenger and discovers that what she's actually becoming is getting dragged into ferrying souls across to the afterlife, and gets involved in a in a struggle, and it's a really interesting philosophical discussion about what can be forgiven, what shouldn't be forgiven, and yet it never stops being an incredibly fascinating story, fun story. And Jason Liu also, like, based... And I think we'll see more of this in Western art, and I really appreciate it. He's got several demons in there. 
out of a straight Judeo-Christian hell, or really a Christian hell, but they are based on Indonesian demon masks. So you, I have not seen demons look like this in in a Western comic book. And so it's creative, it's fascinating, it's fun, and yeah, I love a fun story that still gives you something to think about. And I, I, I doubt that they'll do a sequel to it, but as a graphic novel, as a digital work, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Obviously deserved to win, or it wouldn't have, you know? <laughs> so... Um, so kudos to the judges. Uh, I don't Can know I make how... one more mention? You're gonna. Well, you kind of did. Um, the, uh, the, oh, which, which, what did it win for? Um, it was the, from another medium, best, best adaptation, uh, Neil Gaiman and Colleen Duran for Snowglass mm-hmm. and Apples. Um, I bought that book when it, uh, first edition, when it first came out, um, it's just an amazing book. Obviously, Neil Gaiman, you 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 ran it enough for three weeks on him last week, um, but the Neil Colleen Doran, who I used to read a lot back in the eighties when she was doing a Distant Soil, mm-hmm. um, a great book, and she is just perfect for this story. It's just it's just such a I, I wish I wish they could find more stuff where her particular. Um, perfectly curated images that really it, it's not a book. But I, but I want to say, I, I mean, is that I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Colleen Duran. I don't know if that's people aren't turning to her or if she's not interested in working that much now. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know either. I'd always gotten the feeling that she was appreciated by a too small a segment of of readers and I, I i've always felt that she was appreciated by publishers um so yeah no i i i love her work uh i i, I bought that as well i think it's part of you, you can confirm because you have the hard copy i'm sure near you it's right a short now. story no but the but the i know i mean of this book that was adapted of the oh. adaptation it's part of the dark horse comics neil gaiman library they're adapting several short stories. I just seen confirmation. I think that's um, correct. But they've done several. They've done several stories. A, a study in Emerald, and I, I know I have a few others, and I can't remember the name, the titles of them because I don't have them on my shelf with me down here. But did you read a study in Emerald? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I read both the short story, which I think is in Smoke and Mirrors, and then I got the trade because or yeah. the the hardcover because I wanted to see what they did with it artistically. So yeah, it was uh, interesting stuff. So take a look at the full list and, but, but definitely you can start anywhere you want and you'd get quality work. It's just start with us, you know, <laughs> start with our recommendations. You'll go off, you'll go pretty well and, and go deeper. I think what's interesting is I, and I don't think this was true when I first started going to Comic-Con, but you notice that none of the specific story winners and was DC or Marvel. There were writers and artists and colorists who had work in their overall portfolio this year that involved DC or Marvel, but that's not what those weren't the specific works that were, that were like Mariko Tamaki was, 
she's got I was Harley thinking Quinn that too, but then I thought about the Harley Quinn breaking glass. No, but she was nominated as best writer. Yeah, right. right. Not for Harley Quinn breaking right. it's, glass. It's, it's not a standard DC title. Right. Yeah. But, but even so, what I'm saying is DC didn't get that award. She got it for breaking glass. She got it for Laura Dean is breaking up with me. And there's another one in there. Oh, and Archie. So, you know, those are the three books she's written this year. So she's one best writer. It's overall. It's not right, right. specifically for Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. And so that's what I'm saying is I think the closest we come, Image won a few, Dark Horse won a few. But you see, like, They Called This Enemy is, is top shelf. Uh, we just talked about, obviously, Comixology. Yes, it's best digital, so they're probably going to have an in because they do, because they are an all digital company, uh, and run, and that is through Comicsology Originals. Um, let's say Image Darkers first, second, you know. So a lot. Scholastic has a few, and you know. So it, it's just again interesting to see that, you know, uh, that especially when DC and Marvel were not. You know, when we said when we had the gap of being of new content coming, this was the opportunity to pick up on on other work, um, you know, that maybe you'd miss from other publishers. And I've seen some stores do that saying like, well, we'll curate some independent books you may maybe haven't heard of. And uh, and even though DC and Marvel are now shipping, I think things are back on schedule. This is an opportunity to look at other other companies and and to go explore corners of comics that maybe you haven't like i tend not to go into new web comics but because there was a nominee there a winner there in best web comic i'm going to check that one out and i'm probably going to check out a couple of the other ones on there as well so let's talk a little bit we did mention that of course there were panels for movies but it was things like new mutants it were, were things the blockbusters aren't there i think warner brothers or the DC universe movies were being held off for the DC fandom event that's going to happen in August. And, and yet, so the owner were they quiet, both Marvel studios and DC or Warner brothers are holding firm to November release dates for their movies. But Disney announced officially today or this weekend, Mulan is off the schedule completely right now. Because we'll assume they are intending for that to do really well in China. Yeah. And so if they release it to a streaming service digitally, chances are uh, it will leak and they won't get that that in there. When was it um, supposed to originally come out? It was supposed to come out in March. Okay. It was pushed back. Then it was going to be, I think, they looked at November and then they just took it off. Um, both Star Wars and Avatar whatever the latest i mean they've still not given us a title of what the next star wars that's funny is because anyway. avatar was the one they were saying could go ahead because it's being made in new zealand and a lot of it's digital anyway and a lot i, yeah. I thought avatar 2 was come was shot completely i thought they had completed it yeah. and that was just the post-production stuff but they pushed it back a year but you know the other thing is it's not about whether the films themselves can be produced it's about whether people can go and see it like the big controversy today is that tenet uh christopher nolan's new film has that's been pushed back a couple times christopher nolan absolutely insists it be shown theatrically in imax in 70 millimeter and i mean not every theater would have it 
anyway. But they just but Warner Brothers took that off the schedule as well because they kept pushing back and pushing back and they felt it looked silly. They they don't have any clue, none of us do, when they can open up at, when people can uh, go to theaters at the same time across the country. You know, I was just in Sunnyvale last week, uh, my hometown, and near the Brett Cave, that's all we'll say about its location. Uh, and I had not been by the Sunnyvale Town Center in at least a year. I had no idea they had completed an AMC theater complex there. I knew they were talking about it. It's done. And huh. never been opened. Wow. And it was one of the saddest things for me, because I love going to theater movies, you know, to have seen that. So I get it. Everything is up in the air. But Tenet is going to be released in Europe and China, which is assumed that they will be able to open up sooner with movie theaters. So Europe and China are going to get the get these films before we will. And I suspect that will happen with Mulan that once Disney sees that, that people in China are going back to movie theaters, even if we're not in the U S they're going to release it there first. That's interesting. Uh, maybe it made me think about the, uh, the whole situation with the virus mm -hmm. and everyone's saying, well, as soon as there's a, as soon as there's a vaccine, we can go back to theaters. But like, the way vaccines work, you have to be careful not to take the vaccine if you are infected. So you, if you, you don't take the flu vaccine if you have the sniffles, you don't, if you have the potential right, right. of having the flu. And so if a country that doesn't get themselves in line with the flattening the curve and driving, driving the numbers down is going to have a harder time once the vaccine uh, vaccine comes out, potentially. I mean, I'm not a virologist. I only play one on TV. So, but th there's the, and, the potential. And, and Rick, and Rick yes. just turning the camera on yourself and, and screenshotting. Hey, that does not count as being on TV. Those are good shows, man. I'd like to think that everyone's gotten a, an interesting and deep look into the psychology <laughs> of Fanboy Planet right now. So, anyway... Yeah, no, it, 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 that's true, too. Like when I say Comic-Con in 2021, I'm still not counting on it. I'm, you know, I, I just don't know. I think there's a lot of, not to bring anybody down, I think there's a lot of really encouraging news, legitimately, about yeah. the search for a vaccine. 30,000 human tests in the career. But as a, you know, as, as if you're here, you, you've already read sci-fi, you've already read comics, you understand, look, the weird thing is the sci-fi fans are probably the most realistic because we've 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 seen right. in movies and books right. how this could all go wrong and how it could all go right. right. <laughs> so you know, I I I just want to want to be there. I I was certainly you know I said I was I went away for the weekend. The activities we did were completely outdoor, and we either did takeout or went. But the I won't say what city what town we were in but we could tell some businesses really really took it seriously and some businesses didn't and if they yeah. didn't take and if we saw it was a business uh, a restaurant that didn't had an inconsistent policy we just kept, kept driving or kept walking you know um but uh so anyway let's talk a little bit about tv because 
I, I do want to say why the New Mutants would not be dropped, by the way, on I, I, I want to shout out to Dave Tapia, who was occasionally a guest years ago, who pointed out to me that one of the reasons Disney is not just going to drop New Mutants on a video on demand or a, on a streaming service, even though uh, the X-Men movies have started showing up on Disney+, Plus, is that the Fox deal was that all those movies would go to HBO first. Oh. So if Disney, their only hope to make some money is video on demand, and then they don't get the right to actually run New Mutants themselves until the until it's, I guess, maybe had, what, six months on HBO? So, you know, it's not in their best interest. This is a, you know, let's always remember, it's show business. It, it's not in their best interest to release New Mutants to home video right now. You know, I, I didn't realize that, and now I'm going to stop saying, "Come on, just drop it on Disney Plus or Hulu," because they can't. Yeah. You know, so I I get that. All right. So, uh, as we're recording this on the evening of July 27th, to remind you that season two of The Umbrella Academy drops on Friday, July 31st on Netflix, and of course, I do have an interview with a cast member of. Uh, Ken Hall uh, from the Umbrella Academy. Uh, there's a video interview up on the YouTube channel and the, of course, Fanboy Planet. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. So they previewed that on a, a little bit uh, on that and realized that it's the same creator as co-creator as Solar Opposites with Justin yeah. Roy, Mike Mike McMahon. So we saw a little bit of Lower Decks. That's going to drop on CBS All Access on August 6th. And I know it'll be hard to remember because September is both so far away and yet going to be tomorrow. Uh, the Boys season two, September 4th. And we should say The Boys has already been renewed for season three, which I'm not surprised because I think the fan reaction, not just a fan reaction, viewer reaction on Amazon Prime to The Boys season one. Uh, that's an evergreen, not, you know, right now it's a show that people were discovering all year long. So, it, you know, they renewed it at the end of Comic-Con last year before they'd shown a single episode. And then, you know, so none of that surprises me. And uh, so, of course, Netflix is playing coy with uh, the Umbrella Academy as far as a season three. But at least we're going to we know we've got a season two coming and they'll probably tease us yet again. But uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. How and, did you how did you feel about the preview of Lower Decks? I just. I like all the talent involved. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'll tell you, the rhythm of the jokes, and again, you know, guys, you can write in, editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can tell me I'm full of crap. The rhythm of the jokes were very Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites, which was weird to me for Star Trek. I I've felt but kind I, of the same but way. But I'm going to say the other thing is, I didn't find it funny at all. You know, so I just went, oh, cool it's an interesting point of view and i think another thing is probably because i read red shirts yeah. it i i think they're going to be very different properties and their senses of humor will be very different but i just kind of went uh okay i mean I, i'll give it a chance it reminded can, me a lot of uh, of final space which yeah and i, and I the didn't same really, kind of and uh, i didn't really like final space all that much yeah but you know, so although I want to say other space that was on Yahoo uh -huh. like a few years ago is going to dust the YouTube channel for sci-fi. 
So that show is coming back. I, I watched the first episode. I can talk about it now. It's because after July 24th, um, I watched the first episode of it um, on Vimeo, and which I think Dust is going to Vimeo. So there's a, a slight pay model, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, but that was a funny show. And interestingly, Eugene Codero, who was uh, Pillboy on the on the Good Place, is in both um, Other Space live action and in star trek lower decks interesting so uh, there's there's a dna mix in so like i said i love the talent involved that was the funniest part of the star trek panel for me was that you saw all these people uh you know broadcasting from their homes or or you know video chatting from their homes and and they put you know people put put curtains up behind them to kind of you know deaden the sound a little bit and the one person you could tell on Lower Decks who's actually a voiceover artist, Fred Tassiori, who was all over Warner Brothers cartoons, is like, he was from his his booth. <laughs> you know? And I loved that. that he, he's he's going to be the, the really gung-ho security officer. Right. And uh, so, you know, I just thought it was funny that he, you could tell, man, Fred Tassiori, he's done a lot of video games too, that he is ready. He can. He will weather this out because animation is coming back, baby, and he's going to get so much work. Uh, for, you know, not just acting, but probably producing and directing uh, voiceover for people too. But uh, yeah, I, I just overall, I was interested that the, I forgot about the Nickelodeon series, Prodigy. I mean, that they finally they finally named it. I you know I forgot right. that there was a Star Trek series, and it's interesting. I don't know. The only problem I have with this approach is is Star Trek that kind of because they called it Star Trek Universe, where you have to go out into so many age groups and target and find every little corner, you know. They they'd done it with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars had a, a, a lot of stuff that was aimed at, at younger audiences. Well, no, no I, I know they did, but I don't know that's that that's new for Star Trek. So it's to me a little bit of an uneasy fit. I'm sure I will pro- I will enjoy it. I mean, I certainly read comics for years and years. Yeah. Well, they did uh, they did the animated series too, and. Uh, but you know, was... I mean, it's interesting because I have to go back to the animated series. You know, that's on CBS All Access right now yeah. too, and. To me, the only difference between the live action, the original series, and the animated series, as a kid, was it was one was a cartoon, but it was the same. You know, it was the same. A hundred. The stories, the stories are slightly simpler, and they don't go into the social commentary as much. They were, however, written by real live science fiction writers for the well, most part. Well, and a lot of and a lot of Star Trek original series. Yeah. Uh, staff members as well. Um, you know, and some of the things have, have sort of become canon for Star Trek too. And that's, you know, so it's interesting because I, I give it all a chance. The same thing, you know, discovery. I, I, I think I came late to discovery mainly because I was just, I just didn't want to have another streaming service, but I, I watched a couple of episodes uh, when I went to England a, a couple of years ago, and and it was on Netflix in, in the UK, and so I I watched five or six episodes then and went, okay, I'm in, I'm in. This series is so good, and you know, like, and, and I see people online complaining about all this stuff, and even my complaining about Lower Decks is, look, dude, everything has its ups and downs. Any series, 
you know, I love Doctor Who. There is no one season of Modern Who in which I think there's a perf there's every episode is perfect. There are some I don't care to watch again. Yeah. And I'll feel the same way about Star Trek. If I get more more that are good than than bad, I'm happy. You know, we're not talking sci-fi Flash Gordon. <laughs> so well, they were no good. I'm sorry. They were just no good. They, anyway, they were not. They they gave you hope every now and then, but then they crushed. Oh it no, right no, away. they crush it almost immediately. And therefore, yeah. I say, once we bring up Flash Gordon from Sci-Fi, we gotta stop. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we will talk again. Uh, I'm reminded to set up, uh, which I think maybe we'll do as a as a video one on Wednesday. But I'll ta- I'll talk to you about that. Um, is we will have a, a little bit of post comic-con talent interview and i think that will be a video so we shall see all right so you know once again if you've got any questions comments compliments commentary criticism right into editor at fanboyplanet.com really appreciate you listening again we know there's a lot of things buying for your attention right now and that you chose to spend this time with us i'm really grateful so thank you i'm derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to Use your powers for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.